Welcome to the 159th episode of the Young Terps podcast from the Viner Fourgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking about the Terps and the NFL draft, along with some well, other news items that have happened over this past week. And before we get into that, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need. Whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival, Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you're looking for. Wayne from Turf Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, a local business serving the entire DMD today. You can contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. We're going to start things off on the non-rev report today. Women's basketball adds two transfers after losing two key contributors. Actually, three with Taylor Mikesell also leaving the program. First, they add guard Katie Benson from Harvard. She did not play all of last season. She will be eligible right away because of this. She is quite the player. First team All-Ivy League in each of her first three seasons and holds the conference record for most threes made in a career in only three years. Yeah, and of course, the Ivy League grad transfer or graduate student uh, effect comes into play uh, with this transfer player. As if you follow the lacrosse world, as you've come to figure out, uh, you cannot play as a graduate student at an Ivy League school, which is why all these players graduate transfer out of the Ivy League. Uh, the trips will also add guard forward hybrid Katie Bibby from Australia and Mississippi State. She will not be eligible unless the NSA passes this one-time transfer waiver, which should uh, be voted on soon, very soon now. Uh, but the Terps reload nicely after losing some key contributors. Yeah, Yes, they did, and um, we'll see where this goes. But uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see some of the players uh, depart the program that did, but it is what it is, and uh, these two are definitely uh, not that far off of the players that this program lost. No, uh, Katie Benson really should be add some great shooting to this team. On other women's basketball news, Terrapin star and Big Ten Player of the Year Kayla Charles was selected to the Connecticut Suns with the 23rd pick of the WNBA draft. She will join Brianna Jones and Alyssa Thomas with a uh, trio up in Connecticut that I've heard some people solicit names for. That's a that's three Terps in one team in WNBA. Yes, it is, and and that's a team that. Well, did they make it? Yeah, they did make it to the yeah. WNBA they played the Mystics finals. in a uh, loss in five games. Yeah, so so a team that that could use some. More contributors, uh, the 23rd pick in the WNBA, for those of you who don't know, is the second round Yes, of uh, that draft. Uh, it's a three-round draft. Was it 12 teams in that draft? Or that league, excuse me? Yeah, so a near end of second round draft pick, but there are three rounds, so it's not that bad. No, and hopefully she'll get on the floor in her first season. Uh, on to some women's lacrosse news here. Uh, star Callie Hathorn announced that she will be the second women's or key women's lacrosse player to decline coming back to the program for an extra season in this 2021 uh, campaign that's become quite interesting in the non-rev world. Uh, Hathshorn started near, nearly every game of her career and was on pace to break Taylor Cummings' draw control record at Maryland. A great player and uh, break a lot of records if she had that fourth year, but as I keep saying, it is what it is. Uh, Tim Rotance. Uh, on the men's lacrosse side, now a pro player announced that he'll be retiring from lacrosse. Kind of surprising decision. Uh, Rotan's a huge part of the Maryland team that was finally able to break that ceiling and win the championship. He scored 
three times, I think, in the game against Ohio State, including the empty netter that capped it off with the Terps' 9-6 win. Yeah, a bit of a surprise. Uh, Rotan's only two years into his pro career when he decides to hang him up. But uh, I guess this might have something to do with the fact the PLL season is almost surely going to be canceled this year. Um, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but a bit of a surprise for me. Yeah, and it, it just, you know, sometimes you got to weigh your opportunities, and I think uh, Tim Rotan's being the smart, really smart guy that he is, uh, probably had a better opportunity in the professional world, and that's something that all these pro or smaller pro sports are still battling, you know, and and for Timmy Rotance, you know, we just wish him the best going on, and and it was a great run that he had. Also, a Terp great and whip snake, Jeff Reynolds announced he will be retiring from professional lacrosse as well. Uh, this one's a bit more, I guess, expected. Reynolds graduated Maryland in 09, so he's been out of school for a while, I guess nearing that uh, 30, or over that 30-year mark, so... Maybe more, maybe more expected on this one. Yeah, definitely. Jeff Reynolds, a guy that didn't really play much this last uh, season in the PLL, uh, a former All ACC selection guy that contributed a lot to Dave Cottle's year at, uh, at Maryland. He was even before John Tillman's era for the Terps, so not a Tillman player, but a guy that that's really well respected around the lacrosse world. Played very well at the beginning of his pro career in the MLL, uh, but one of those guys that just kind of. Moved over to the PLL, one of the founders of the league. Of course, we'll always have that to go on. And, yeah, it's been a great career and a really good run for Jeff Reynolds. But, you know, all these things come to an end with these pro athletes. Yeah. Um, on to a handful of basketball news here. Uh, something some people speculated about. I didn't expect to actually happen, though. Josh Tomajich, the um, Maryland Canary Islands center, announced he'll be entering the transfer portal. Uh, Terps only have Shul Mariel over 6'8 in the roster now. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about this. Just to my age, I really felt like he was a good guy, but I didn't expect him to contribute much even with the more playing time next season. Yeah, JT, a guy that the Terps really needed going into this next year, whether he was going to contribute a lot or not. Uh, one of the only big men left on the roster after the departure of Ricky Lindo. Uh, I think he could have given the Terps a DeMonte Dodd season, which is really, in my opinion, all they needed. Uh, really unfortunate here. Uh, yet another player decided to hit the road after this Big Ten championship season. And I guess we just got to move on. I really don't know what's going on. You know, the Terps are now ride or die with this 6-7 center from VCU. That led the team in scoring and rebounding, but is known as a non-athletic player, really a banger down low. I I mean, come on. We're after a guy. A 6-7 center? That's what we're banking on now. Hey, Dave Neal was 6-5, and that team was the NCAA tournament. That, that was a different era of Maryland basketball where coaching and effort was key. Now we're about finesse and skill. You know, it's just like, it's ridiculous. And then this guy, I think his name's Childress from Wake Forest. I kind of know who you're talking about, but I don't know. Oh, eliminated from the contention. Oh, yeah. Were we ever in the contention for him? Yes. Yeah, they were. They were. When he first decided he was going to transfer, there was like this whole thing that, um, and this is high speculation, that uh, Danny Manning was still expected to be fired from Lake Forest at that time. And uh, Turgeon, being Danny Manning's former teammate, was going to bring him onto the staff and he would bring, you know, this player with him. Yeah, that's, uh, I just want to get off that Danny Manning thing real quick because Danny Manning was one of our first Turp Talk interviews, Mason. You remember that? Yeah, he was one of the first big ones. That was a huge learning lesson for me because I had actually messed up the video of that. I was like, I think 13 at the time. And uh, that was a huge lesson for me. Honestly, it's an interview that I will remember 
for a long time. But that that was definitely that was, something. That was when he was back at uh, Tulane. Right? No, Tulsa. I think it was Tulane. No, I, I'm 100% sure it was Tulsa. I'm going to look this up real quick. But, yeah, that was what, like one of, for our long time, Wayne Terp, Terp Talk, Young Terp fans, that was one of our first big videos. That, that was, like, one of the first ones that hit over 700 views or something like that. Yeah, I think it's well over 1,000 now. But Danny Manning's definitely a great interview. He's a really nice guy to talk to. Uh, has a lot to say. And it was Tulsa. George. Yeah, I'm I am looking at it. It was Tulsa. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to land on his feet in the coaching world. That Wake Forest job right now is a tough job to take. Yeah, it really is. Um, I don't know. Wait, uh, we're going to get too far down the rabbit hole here. Let's clear out the Maryland news first. Um, Maryland basketball announced they'll be hosting the Maryland Showcase Tournament next season. Uh, hopefully, that is. Um, the event will consist of the Terps, Duquesne, San Jose State, and California Baptist. A real who's who of basketball programs, Mason. Absolutely ridiculous. I, this is a la- this is a joke. Like this is a joke. You gotta be kidding me. The ter- the Maryland Showcase. All right, let's start with that. Let's start with that. The Maryland Showcase. Oh, here comes Mason A. Let's go. We could have we could have a Maryland Showcase. That's, okay? that's what I kind of agree with. Actually. Okay, I'll stop you there. Even you know what? I think I think here's an idea. Here's an idea, Jordan. The DMV Showcase. We can play clown show programs like the ones that are displayed in front of me. You know, Duquesne and George Mason. I find to be pretty interchangeable. Uh. San Jose State and like, I don't know Loyola. Is that one? Yeah, you think Loyola and San Jose State can match up. Okay, California Baptist, Coppin State, like Americans right below them in the Ken Palm. But so I could I'll just say that. I mean, if you want to make it the Maryland Showcase and play bad teams, make it a Maryland Showcase and play the bad teams. Why are we playing two teams from California? There's going to be games with 3,000 fans at them. You know, and all you're going to hear about from this, Mark Turgeon, is why don't our fans support us? Maybe you shouldn't be playing California Baptist, who I believe Jordan stated North Dakota State had as a bye game in basketball. In the last couple of years, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to add to that, really. I, I'm, what, what a clown show. I'm, I, I don't understand this in the least. I think the Maryland Showcase, because I've had this idea before, and I think yeah, I know we we we've every, had every this, fan has had yeah, this idea. Like, we play in uh, my idea was like playing eighteen tournament with schools from Maryland or something, whatever it was. I mean, there are so many opportunities. I didn't mean to cut you off there if I did. There are so many opportunities to have a DMV tournament, just a Maryland tournament, Maryland and the Baltimore schools. I mean, East you, Coast tournament even. You could have maybe you could throw like Delaware in there, and you could have you could make it an event. Yeah, make it something. No, I would actually say make it like, I want to make it like a high school tournament. Like just, you, you, I even throw the idea on of like having maybe play a game at the Xfinity Pavilion at the same time, and like. No, they can't do that. I'm That's just saying the, they could, there's ways to do this that would make it fun and cool. Having Cal Baptist and San Jose State. San Jose State was three and fifteen in Mountain West last season. They were they won six games all season. That's just gar- That's a garbage program. I mean, this this is a joke. This is stupid. And I'm just saying, when they have no fans at this, don't cry about it. If you want to have Maryland basketball games, as we all know and love them, throw someone out there that's competition. That's all I got to say. Now, speaking of teams that are a little bit more competition, uh, the Terps added St. Joe's to their basketball schedule. I like this game. Uh, I would if it was St. Joe's as we know them. 
But um, I'm just going to verify something I said. Sorry, they were San Jose State was 7-24. My bad. Okay, you're one game off. Um, but they were 3-15 in conference. Anyway, St. Joe's was really bad last season. Really bad last season. Really, really bad. I'm going to verify what it is before I say it this time, but they were really bad last year. You know, but that doesn't matter. At least you're talking about a program. People know it. You know, they might have been bad last year, but you beat St. Joe's. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a game we should be playing. Yeah, it's a reasonably named brandish program. In my opinion, as the numbers come up here, oh, Saint they H- were six St. Joe's was on no six and twenty six. Yeah, they were six and twenty six last year. I don't really care about that. You're playing a team from the A ten, a team that plays respectable opponents. You're not playing a team that's three and fifteen in the G D Mountain West. You're playing a team that was worse than that in a respectable conference. Okay, Mountain West isn't that bad. They had San Diego State and Utah State last year. Like, they weren't that bad. I mean, you got to throw out, okay, yeah, they had that. Jordan, when somebody tells you the Mountain West basketball or the A-10 basketball, which one are you picking? I'm picking the A-10 probably like nine times out of ten. Maybe eight times out of yeah, ten. Yeah, okay. So I, I'll recognize, yes, St. Joe's also a trash opponent. But at least there's somebody that we all know. I mean, everybody on the East Coast knows St. Joe's basketball. I don't really know what. I mean, I guess they were good back in the day. They're part of the Philly Five, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. And, and that's going to wrap up this basketball rant. Yeah, and that's a pretty accurate one. Yeah, waste opportunity. At least at least have like a power. You know what? But what were you going to say? At least have a power six team in there? Yeah. You know, and then I think about it, and I'm like, well, maybe this sets the stage for a yearly event that we can build over time. That's possible, but you'd think, I still think you'd be able to do better than this. Yeah, I know, and that's what, I'll go back and say one more thing on this. Every school in this country wants to come to this area and play basketball games. Because you can recruit here. You can use it as a recruiting tool. You can tell people to come see our team, you know, come see how we interact. And you can get a lot out of playing two or three games in the DMV. you really can. The fact that they're just, it's like they're throwing darts at a board and hitting the calendar on the other side of the room. Yeah, you know that dartboard in your house? And you I know what so you're bad. saying. I don't get your analogy, though. I mean, it's like they they think they're hitting things. They, I, I believe that they think that they're doing something, and they're doing absolutely nothing. They're so far off the mark with these that it's ridiculous. You can win as many 25-game Big Ten championship seasons as you want. If you want people in the building and you want attention in our program, you have to play games that people want to see. Yeah. And they have not done that, but maybe maybe they still got an ace up this week. Maybe, maybe Kansas is coming to College Park for all we know. I know, but it sets the stage for people to not even want to see them later in the season. Yeah, because you're not interested in them. They didn't play anybody until the end of the season. And even then, they can't sell the games out. I mean, you're talking about a lack of faith in a program. You're talking about... Everything that's wrong with Maryland basketball right now, I think there's one way to silence it. We're going to play out of the 10 or so games that we have to play in the non-conference. We're going to play three good teams. And what we're going to do, we're going to beat every single one of them. And then we're going to have attention. We're going to have verified attention going into conference play. And then people will want to see us play because they know we're good and they know we can beat teams that don't score. 65 points a game in the Big Ten. We beat an ACC team, a Big East team, and an SEC team. We're the real deal. That's how you prove you're the real deal in this. This is, this is something you're not going to have the answer to. But what was the last time we played an SEC school? They played... um they played Florida? No. I think they played Arkansas. Huh. 
I would not get. I like, think they played an SEC team in, when they played uh, Iowa State in the Naismith games when Gary Williams was going to the Hall of Fame. That is very possible. Um, I, I, I was just a random thought I had when you mentioned um, the SEC. Anyway, uh, let's we're getting off track again, Mason. Did you know the draft was last night? Well, yeah, it was last night. Feels like a long time ago now, but that was last night. Yeah, it was, and um, the Terps kind of had a disappointing night. Nope, Maryland did not play Arkansas in twenty in the 2014 season. So there you go. We'll try and figure out when the last time the Terps took on an SEC opponent is. But, yeah, let's talk about the draft. Uh, Anthony McFarlane goes in round four to the Steelers. Antoine Brooks goes in round six, surprisingly. Uh, pick number 198. Also to Pittsburgh. And we have three Terps signed as undrafted rookies. Javon Leak goes undrafted. We'll have more on that in a second. Tino Ellis uh, well, leaks to the Giants. Tino Ellis to the Saints. And Tyler Mabry goes to the Seahawks. So, Jordan, let's start with uh, Anthony McFarlane. Round four to the Steelers. Opinions on this one? Um, I, I don't want to say this, but I feel like I have to because it's really what I think. I feel like the Steelers might have reached on him. I, I like Anthony McFarlane. I really do. I love that he's from here and came back to the DMV and represented his home city and I'm or home state, and I'm always going to be grateful for that. I don't know how I was going to translate to being a pro football player. I think, uh, and we've talked about this a little bit, so I'm going to take some of your points, Mason. Sorry for this, but I agree that he's a great one-cut back. He's oh, you can't say it. That's the... That's your thing. I, I know, and I'm agreeing with you. Fine, S- say your points. To, say your... Do your defense Yeah, first. I think that's very clear that Anthony McFarland's an NFL football player. I don't say he's not. I just don't know if he's a fourth-round pick. I think he is. I think running backs are a very uh, subjective position when it comes to the draft. Look at a guy like that the... Um, 2012, Maryland played Kentucky. That was the last time in the Barclays Classic. That was the last SEC opponent. That was a great game. That was a great game. Anyway. So back to football here. Uh, you look at the guy that Pittsburgh took last year, Benny Snell. Um, All-SEC first-team player. Third-team All-American. He falls to the same spot that Anthony McFarlane was. Pick uh, 122 last year. You know, it, it's a subjective drafting position. And Pittsburgh gets what they need here. Uh, I think Anthony McFarlane... One of the fastest runs against Ohio State uh, that's been in record in college football. Uh, to go along with two power runners, which is Snell and uh, James Conner in Pittsburgh, Anthony McFarlane's a guy that they thought fit that, and they wanted to get him. They thought that he was a very explosive player. Um, they need a guy that can come be that second running back that's got more of a punch than their first two guys, and McFarlane fits that. Now, are there concerns? Of course. Uh, there's some health concerns there, some character concerns, which – uh, being somebody that's witnessed Anthony McFarland both on the field and um, to the media, the media-facing side, there are no character concerns there. You don't send guys, and I saw this one a while ago, you don't send guys to Big Ten media days that have character concerns. That's just not something that's done. Anthony McFarland represented this program. Uh, he was put in that position a lot by Coach Loxley. He was trusted a lot by Coach Loxley and everybody that's in football. If you can't tell by these guests that have been on Late Night with Locks, uh, respects Michael Locksley as a football coach and and respects his character. And I think Anthony McFarland um, could be a steal here, and I, I can see him being a bust, too. All right, that's a pretty compelling argument, and I'll agree with some of those points. Running back is probably the most suggestive position fo- – sorry, not suggestive, subjective position in football. And that, yeah, you really don't know – every team does something different with the running back position to some extent, and it's all about fit. It really is. 
and that's true in every position, but especially at running back. And Andy McFarland could fit in well there. I just, and I know he was hurt last season for most of the year, which may be skewing my analysis a little bit. I was just disappointed when I saw from him, but I'm also aware that when he was blocked for and the team wasn't playing like trash, he was very good. And he had more highlight reel runs than I think any running back I've ever seen in the two years that he played here. Yeah. And maybe it'll work out great, and maybe they'll find a way to, to utilize him well. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes some reps at receiver. Um, but he'll, I think he'll probably be third down back, and we'll hope we get the best out of him. Then Antoine Brooks goes at 198. Mason, yeah. I know you really wanted him to be picked higher, and you thought he should have been. Yeah, one more thing on Anthony McFarland before we move on. There's no way this guy's moving to wide receiver. There have been NFL teams requested him to do that and stuff like that. Maryland tried that going into the year where they had Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison healthy. Uh, they didn't think there was that much of a space for Anthony in the backfield. They tried him at wide receiver, and it did not work. It just didn't. The man's a running back. He's a one-cut running back that's got a very explosive step. I think that we're going to see Anthony McFarland at this level play first come up is in the kick return game where he wasn't really utilized in Maryland, but in the backfield and on a team where he's not relying on to be the most explosive player, which he might end up actually being. Oh. Pittsburgh doesn't have much. Juju's Juju, Juju most supposed to play on the team. Okay, there you go. I, I even forgot that he was there. Uh, I think Anthony McFarland's going to be put in a lot of good spots, and I think Pittsburgh's one of the best teams at utilizing talent like he has. Uh, on to Antoine Brooks. I, I really don't understand this one. Um, you look at another guy that played a career similar to Antoine Brooks, and it's Isaiah Simmons, who went 7th? 8th. 8th in the draft. Um. And, and I don't understand this one, and Jordan, maybe you can explain it to me. Isaiah Simmons is a positionless player. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people hate that draft pick, which I didn't really realize. A lot of people think that he's not big enough to play linebacker. He's not fast enough to play safety or corner in the NFL. Or experienced enough to play either of those positions. Antoine Brooks has no position. He's not really a safety. He's not really a linebacker. He's not really a slot corner. Antoine Brooks, I'll go for another one with him. He's a versatile football player. He was rated, and I never knew this one until I read it on the Steelers site this morning, one of the top safeties, depending on who you count as a safety, a top five safety against the run. How he is available in the sixth round, doing everything that he did for Maryland, who's been a really bad team while he's been there, uh, I, I really didn't understand. But maybe you can shine some light on this one. Well, I think going back to what you said, and I think the thing also confused me a little bit, because... The, as far as I see it, the value in having positionless players on defense is you can keep them on the field and not give away what you're doing to the offense by just changing your personnel. If you want to line up Antoine Brooks or Isaiah Simmons as a safety in one position, you don't have to take him out of the you have to take him out of the game. You can just move him, and it gives you more intrigue in what you're doing. That's just how I value positionless players on defense, at least. Now, as far as Antoine Brooks goes, I kind of agree. Um, I don't really like him as a safety in the NFL. Because I don't think he's fast enough. That's just me. I, I know some other people might disagree with me on that. And I think he's undersized as a linebacker. And maybe that's what doomed him to slip into the sixth round. Was that people didn't... He was the same thing I did, which is he's kind of a tweener in a bad way. I think, like I said, I think there's value to having tweeners. But maybe not, not enough people agree with me to get, have him be picked higher. I think the Steelers got a great value. If nothing else for special teams, I think he'll be a great special teamer. Um, I hope they find a way to utilize him on defense. I hope they see the value in having him as a defensive positionless player. But I don't know. Um, 
I guess we're just going to have to see how they use him. It's yeah. Hard. It's really going to be on how the defense coordinator wants to p deploy him. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Maryland, and he's probably the player that was most affected by Maryland having god-awful, first off, luck in their secondary this season, which kind of screwed them everywhere else across the board. Uh, Maryland wasn't really allowed to use him the way they wanted to. You know, they wanted to play him as an in-the-box kind of corner safety. And due to the injuries, due to the fact that uh, Banks and Gator were forced out there as the one and two corners, they had to throw him really deep back in the, as a true deep safety, trying not to get torched. It didn't work. They moved it back to the box and then back to corner. I mean, this last season has been a wreck for Anton Brooks. It was awful for his draft stock. Uh, I think the Steelers got a really – if not, if you're right, if nothing else, they really saw a special teams player. Uh, but just really unfortunate for both these guys that – injuries and the way this team worked this past season uh, really downed them because Anthony McFarland I could have seen easily going in the second round if he was to have another good season uh, and Antoine Brooks the same right up there second third round player um, and on to the undrafted or before we hit the undrafted Mason what, what are your overall thoughts on the draft I liked it I liked it in the way that was I liked all the access that that was given what I didn't like was uh, the focus points from ESPN. Yeah, and I'm so sure everybody knows what we're talking about because it got slammed. But I think it really deserved to be slammed because it really, it felt gratuitous to put it lightly. Yeah, you know, and and there's a lot of things to be said about what ESPN did with all the, you know, this one and their family died and this one was addicted to drugs and all that. But that's not really what I want to hear about. That doesn't sell me on anybody, anyone else. Everybody, and I think this is something that everyone's starting to catch on to, everybody has challenges in their life. Everybody has lost people. Just because they're in the NFL and they lost somebody doesn't make them better than the guy that's making $75,000 as an accountant that's lost somebody. You know, making it to the NFL, and I think that these guys being picked in the fourth and sixth round, a lot has to do with what school you went to. I, I would agree with that. You know, everyone wants to say drafted players by conference, drafted players by team. The ones, if you really realize it, the teams that win the most find talented players from the middle of nowhere. Chris Hogan. You know, the guy that drafted from Leonore Ryan. Uh, this guy that the Redskins drafted from Liberty. You know, if those players can make it, they're the steals. Not the guy that was, you know, half kicked off the team at LSU that plays left tackle. That the Redskins drafted. Charles. And that guy could have had five good games in his career. Gotten hurt and been picked in the third round. If the same guy with the same talent is playing in the Sun Belt, there's not a chance he gets drafted until the seventh round. But since he played for LSU and the SEC with, I think it was 21 other NFL draftees, that man gets picked. And I know that's, that's just the way the world works. But well, focusing in, I think the focus should be on football, and I don't think it was. Well, and the way the world works, just because that's the way the world works doesn't mean world works doesn't mean it's fair. And yeah. well, I'm not talking about fair. Fair is a subjective term. Is is it right? Are these really the best players? I, I agree with that, and that's why. Yeah, actually, I'm just gonna back up. I agree. The focus wasn't on football in this draft all the time, and it was. I'm not gonna say shameful by ESPN, but it was extremely unneeded and gratuitous that they so much put so much emphasis on the players' trauma in the background. And I hope they recognize that. And one last thing before we talk about the undrafted free agents. And this is kind of one of those things where it really depends on what kind of person you are. But me being the football person and loving the actual game of football, and I want to hear what these guys can do on the field, 
is I don't need to hear about that we're dealing with coronavirus every five minutes. I know the NFL raised a ton of money. I think it was 6.8 last time I looked. Oh, it was like $100 million by the end of the day or something. It was a ton of money. Well, I think from the auctions they raised 6.8 or whatever. Something like that. I know they did that, and that's great. And that's their job as a corporation that has power in this country. That's how we work. I did not need musical interludes in my NFL draft. Was there? Yeah. I think I missed that one. I don't want to hear from just random doctors. And I know it's a recognition thing, and they want to support the heroes and all that. But I want to see football. You know, the way everything's working right now, everything's about coronavirus. Why couldn't we just have three days of football? And uh, on that note, they did the split telecast with ABC and the ESPN slash FL Network doing two different broadcasts. We watched the ESPN one because it's the more football-focused one. But it still wasn't as football-focused as I would have liked. Like, they could have, and I know it's expensive to do it this way, I think they could have tiered it almost. Like, ABC has the real personal stuff, and ESPN have a split, and then FL Network was like, it's an FL Network. FL Network does in-depth analysis all the time. I would really appreciate that in their broadcast if they had someone, but that's all I'm going to say on that. Also, want to shout out Derek Tuska and ESU got drafted, seventh, second to last pick, but you know, still got drafted, and that's a big deal for the FCS school. Um, on to the UDFAs, Mason. Javon Leak, definitely the one you least expected to be an undrafted free agent. Yeah, if I'm an NFL team, I like Javon Leak more than Anthony McFarland, to be honest. I think Javon Leak's an amazing football player, a very explosive football player. He can, can return kicks at the NFL level. Uh, can be an amazing special teams player if that's what you need. Uh, he is a player that I did not expect this to happen to. Yeah, um, I actually, well, quite a few places had Javon Lee graded higher than Ant Mac, and I kind of agreed with that. I think Javon Lee is, has more um, usabilities in every down back if that's what you're looking for. But as we said earlier, running back is very subjective. You don't know what you're looking for what you're looking for in that position. Um, I think um, this was flowed to me on Twitter. Um, that maybe it doesn't reflect great in Javon that he didn't go drafted and left school early. To that, I say that's partially true, but also you don't know that leaving school and you do what's best for you. I don't ever really fault players for leaving early if that's what they want to do. Um, that said, it's yeah, it's not a great look, but he's got, he's on this hometown team. Bronx originally, though he did move to North Carolina in middle school. His Twitter handle is NY King, so I'm calling it his hometown team. Um, like, I think he'll have an opportunity the Giants, a rebuilding team, looking for offensive talent, desperately need offensive talent, actually. Um, he's going to obviously not – he's not going to overtake Saquon Barkley, but he definitely could make a roster – he could stick on the roster at least. Yeah, and this is a team that struggled to find a second back to Saquon Barkley, and I yeah, think they, Javon Leak fits right in there. Then you would give your team two amazingly explosive running backs, you know, that can break any run. I think Javon Leak can do that. I, I'm baffled by the fact that this man was not drafted. Well, at the very least, he can return some kicks. We know that much. And then, Well, so can Saquon. That's kind of his job there. Saquon return the kicks there? If they need a kick return, Saquon Barkley's going back there. I don't know if you're putting that much... Uh, I don't know if you're putting they that do. much... They do. They okay. I mean, they overuse him at the moment. They need to find other weapons. Uh, next on the list, Tino Ellis to the Saints. I don't really know if Tino Ellis can do it. The one thing that I will say about Tino is his senior season was cut short. What was put on the tape in his senior year was kind of rough. Uh, he never really took that next step, and it looked like he was getting there, and then injury came against Purdue. Maryland secondary players seem to play well in the NFL. 
Yeah, that is true. Um, I personally don't think he can. I, I like Tino Ellis a lot. I really do. Um, maybe more than's healthy for me with how he played down the stretch in his senior year. But he didn't play down the stretch. Oh, I mean in his senior year, like he got burned a lot. That's all I'm saying. He did not get burned a lot. Who am I thinking of? Any other Maryland defensive back, but Tino Ellis did not get burned a lot. He did in his junior year. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> but I don't know. That's, that's Cornerbacks are one of the most athletically demanding positions in the NFL, and I don't know if he can do it, but I really hope he can. Oh, the athleticism's there. What's not there with Tino Ellis is overselling himself to press coverage. That, that was always his problem. Of course, like every other Maryland defensive back, there was no pass rush. Uh, he had some pass interference problems. But you're looking at the same – I think you're almost looking at the same player as J.C. Jackson. You know, it's just going to be what kind of progression can he make uh, once there is a pass rush, can he take that next step. For Tino, the opportunity is there, I think, for Javon Lake and Tino Ellis. Uh, the next guy is Tyler Mabry. I love the fit with Seattle. Yeah, um, Seattle is extremely creative on using players with unique talents. And Tyler Mabry – has a unique talent in that he's a great blocker, an exceptional blocking tight end, and not a great pass catcher. Um, so, it, look, if they can figure out a way to use that, then he'll make it. Yeah, if not, he won't. That's really that I, I think he is a good pass catcher. Maryland's offense was overly reliant on him. They ran a lot of the same routes. Josh Jackson forced a lot of balls to him. And eventually they just told him to stop throwing the ball at him. I mean, if you really want to look at what happened here, you go back to Penn State, uh, the game flipped when Josh forced the ball to Tyler Mabry. From then on, Tyler Mabry didn't get many looks at the ball. Uh, I don't know if that game ever had the opportunity to flip, but I see what you're saying. Well, here. I'm talking about, you know, the game's 14 nothing. You're driving down the field to score a touchdown. You're on the 15-yard line to throw an interception. That's yeah. a game-ender right that there. That was the game-ender right there. Uh, we're yeah. not, not going to rehash that game anymore. And then, you know, he's a good blocking tight end. I think he finds a spot on a roster just as a blocking tight end, a special teams player uh, for a couple of years. I'm really interested to see what happens with him. Uh, no other Terps have been signed yet. Yeah, uh, there's some. There are some interesting ones too. Andre Jones, the um, outside linebacker, still has not found a team. Uh, Marcus Lewis, the defensive back, who a lot of people prefer to Tino Ellis, um, also has not found a team. Uh, besides those two, Mason, uh, there's a handful of other Terps worth noting. But anyone you're really hoping will stick out of the undrafted group? Yeah, Ellis McKinney is a guy that I think will find this spot. Uh, I think he's a value. You know, he's played every position on the offensive line at a Big Ten level. Uh, definitely would lean towards having him as a center. He's a great leader on the football field. I don't really know if he wants to play football anymore. I think he'll take the opportunity if it comes up. But uh, he's a guy that I'm definitely looking to find a landing spot. And um, I don't know if there's much else you want to say, Mason. I do want to get in, though, real quick. I think the Redskins had a good draft on our, on our side. I know there's a lot of Ravens fans who listen to us, but I got to say that. Yeah, and then on the other side, the Ravens had an amazing draft. An exceptional draft. Um, J.K. Dobbins in the second round is an absolute steal. Yeah, I definitely think so. J.K. Dobbins one of my favorite football players. Uh, the other guys, Devin Duvernay, I think that he's a great player. And then Malik Harrison, the uh, the uh, linebacker from Ohio State, that guy is he can play himself some ball. I I think that the Ravens are really the winner. I mean, J.K. Dobbins in the second round is ridiculous. Yeah, and that offense, um, you know they're gonna find a way to utilize him and maybe charge that run not run up. Uh, running offense a little bit more, even. I don't know how the Ravens got th four first, four third-round picks, but that's impressive. Yeah, they did, and I think Duvernay is a guy that a lot of Maryland fans remember. He made some great plays against the Terps. Uh, the other wide receiver from Texas, too, Johnson, he got picked, I don't know when, in this draft. Uh, the Terps weren't that 
exposed in the highlights this year, but, but still some plays of notes, but Maryland gets torched quite a bit. So, I mean, it's going to be what it is. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're a Redskins fan, it's all about number two. Well, yeah, number Chase, 99 now, I guess. Chase Young uh, steps into the Redskins playing for his hometown squad. I, I really like that pick. There were just some players I was really surprised to see fall in this draft and some players I thought uh, got picked a bit early. I cannot believe that Thaddeus Moss went undrafted, though. Well, there's some injury concerns with him. But, yeah, great grip for the Redskins on the undrafted market. And, hey, this draft was really, really something this year. It was interesting to see how they pulled it off. I thought it worked actually very well. And some of the elements that they used from this draft I'd actually like to see going forward, especially with the access into coaches and GM's homes was really cool to see. Um, and it was a nice little distraction to remind us that sports are still around in some way. Yeah, it was, and congratulations to the Terps that were signed and, and the Terps that got drafted, and it's time to get to work and hopefully get an opportunity in rookie minicamp to uh, see what they got. Yeah, and I don't know what people are going to talk about now the NFL draft is done, but some rumors are stirring that the NBA and NHL are both looking to come back in the, in the nearest future. Yeah, and hopefully we see that. And, um, yeah, I guess that's a wrap for this podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner 4 Gates and Rockville. If you need a work-from-home system set up, Viner 4 Gates is your local place to call. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at Viner4Gates.com or the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals, for all of your post-coronavirus party rental needs, Allied has what you want from a local business located in Beltsville, right next to College Park. You can visit them at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And as always, thanks for listening.